Hello and welcome to episode 16 of For The Record. This is uh, our delayed episode. Well, not delayed. We just move things around in the schedule a little bit about Heavy Pendulum by Kevin. My name is Sean Tierney. Welcome. I'm glad to be here again, as always. And across across my desk from me, in the virtual landscape of my desk, is Mr. Zach Buggy. How are you, bud? I'm not too bad, man. How are you getting on? I am okay. I'm okay. I'm, uh, yeah, busy. But busy is good, I think. Busy Busy. is good. Any business news, good news, bad news, or just simple busyness? Just No, just busyness. Just life is busy. Just everything you have to do. But it's it's fun. It's good good to be busy, I think. Um, Yeah, I've kind of gotten like... Because, you know, I had, like I was saying last week that like, I had that fucking, you were at the National and I went to Slam Dunk and mm. uh, No Pressure Tsunami. And then I went to Sully, who we reviewed last week. And and I had Tool a few weeks before that. You had Tool. And I mean, I'm just... My chem. My chemical romance. Yeah, it, it's been a shit ton of standing around watching people get paid money to perform music in a live setting, which, you know what? It's the best. It's the best because there was definitely there's something to be said for, you know, how this was such our norm, and then it, it was all taken just away. It was taken away, mm. and I it wasn't until when lockdown hit in in like twenty March twenty twenty. I said that I was at like that Turnstile show the day lockdown happened, and Turnstile even said, like, this is probably our last chance to play in a in a live setting for a good while and it's probably your last chance as well to see something like this so fucking dance mm. and it was like that so well like as a musician myself I mean my whole like livelihood was taken away you know what I mean yeah. so like that's what I'm mainly busy with and just other bits and pieces as well you know just life shit but, um, up on shit too though it's it, it's vital yeah. and important and like I think we even said before about you like being a boxer having to come back into it and yeah or getting match fit again like yeah 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 it's a uh, but what is cool is when this comes out, I'll be in Paris, relaxing on a lovely holiday. So I will. Oh, in Paris. In nice. Paris. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Never been to France, but I had a very curious experience with a French person last Christmas when I arrived in Spain for Christmas and was waiting for my bus and didn't know which bus stop was the right one. And I turned to a French woman at the bus stop and I just said, sorry, do you know if... This is the bus stop for this bus that goes here. <laughs> she like looks at me and in this very strong, very cool French accent goes, I speak English. Do you speak English? Because I cannot understand what language you are speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> yeah. What do I do now? Shit. I was like, oh, I'd rather than be like, I was fucking speaking English. I said, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> same shit slower I apologise for for just existing having an Irish accent yeah. well I'm sure that as this as you listen to this podcast I'll be getting berated by the French person for the same reason so uh, yeah but really looking forward to it and the week this comes out will be the week before we meet up in London and punch each other's faces off for vain vain higher power and dream, and dream. yeah boy and because I went to No Pressure and Tsunami a few weeks back, the guitar player in Tsunami is the bassist in Drain. That's right. So yeah. I was that big burly man playing another set. Fantastic. I can't Time. wait. And, and us, also, us two burly cool. men will be in the pit. 
and that's it. this will be our this this dear listeners will be Tyranny and I's first face to face commune since for the record began. It is, yeah. We haven't yep. met. We agreed to do since you hit me up last year. Yeah. And we're like, Buggy, I want to do a podcast. And I was like, I always wanted to do a podcast, but I'm too lazy to do it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of felt the same. So we just kind of went yeah. for it. So it's going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also really looking forward to talking about this week's fucking album. But before we do that, uh, I just want to say thanks a million to everyone who's been listening. It's been really nice. Um, and as always, if you could share us around and like the page and all the carry on, it'd be really, really helpful for the record pod on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you very much for all your like niceness so far. And there's been a couple of people who've like talked to me in person about it. And they're like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. You, you've you got chemistry and all that stuff. So it's like really nice. Nice to hear that. And more of that, please. Uh, thanks, million. Yeah. Give, give us compliments. Bestow them, please. Yeah. We need them for our fragile male egos. Food, water, and and con- and compliments. compliments. Yeah, yeah. and tunes. Yes, always tunes. So this week we're going to talk about "Heavy Pendulum" by Kevin, and this is Kevin's seventh studio album. Uh, this is a weird one. I have I have no prior relationship with Kevin, despite their legendary status in like hardcore and post hardcore and alt rock, all shit that I absolutely love, and I know. Very little about this band. Fuck, because I I'm the exact same and assumed you were the cave-in boy here. No, and... Like nothing. No, I, I know ah fuck. Yeah, I know nothing about them. But we don't think John Snow. In this case, I feel as though it's a bit of an advantage. So uh Cave-in are a four-piece heavy rock band. If you look if you look up who knows, it's like Metalcore Super influential band In the metalcore scene Oh now they're signed to RCA And highly influential Alternative rock band uh, Then they went back To their heavy roots And turned uh, into like Sludge space rock It's like what? What it's are just, this band? So I just got They're just a heavy rock band From Massachusetts uh, Stephen Brodsky is the main guy um, Main songwriter Lead guitar And vocalist uh, Adam McGrath and rhythm guitar and backing vocals and J.R. Connors and drums, keyboard and guitar. Nate Newton from Converge has taken over the bass duties and guitar and backing vocals. Um, he's from Converge, uh, who are obviously the fucking best. And uh, he's been enlisted after the passing of the founding Cave-In member, Caleb Schofield. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't actually founding. Uh, Schofield was... I think he was like in other bands who were adjacent to Kevin. Oh shit, sorry. Years. And then I think the story goes something like Kevin were together since like 96. And then just before they recorded their debut album. 99. Uh, yeah, in 99. Uh, Schofield reached out, reached out to them. And I think Kevin had had, it happens to a lot of bands when they're trying to find their feet where they have one member who's just constantly like a revolving door mm. and they just revolving door bassists and I'm not sure if it was through playing a gig together or something that Caleb Schofield like reached out to the band and said oh I, I'd love to play bass for you and they didn't know that he, they knew him but didn't know he could play bass and they said when they had a practice with him they were like what the fuck why hasn't he just been the bassist in oh, Caleb cool. so he he, enli- he was enlisted just before they the recorded first record album and then he ended up becoming one of the most integral members throughout their tenure then yeah and um, he he passed away a few years ago and they had an album in 2019 called Final Transmission. So like given that title, I didn't really think they'd be back. And to be honest, I didn't really like 
not that I didn't care, but I like I wasn't I wasn't in on Kevin, so I was like, but, but you know, seemed, you'd always hear that the Kevin album was being released or whatever. So, but it kind of seemed that they'd come back from because they were like their their main tenure was up to like two thousand six, I think. Two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, they went on hiatus then. And when they got back from the hiatus, like I think they put out they put out an album in twenty eleven, White White Silence, uh, White Silence, and then. Uh, but that seemed very kind of like we're talking about Alexis on Fire a few weeks back that they they kind of work on their own uh, they work on their own schedule now because they had so many other projects and Kevin had kind of reached legacy status so it seemed like White Silence kind of was an album they did in their own time and then were like touring when they could and maybe just demoing material when they could and then Schofield died in 2018 car accident and it probably it the whole thing, I agree with you about the, the title Final Transmission, but I probably reckon that was probably less to do with them hanging it up and more to do with, like, because they were the very last recordings with Sco- Caleb Schofield on them. It was like, this is our final OG cave-in fi- transmission with the original member. But they pro- but it, it could have been that they were planning on packing it up, but at the same time, it could have been a thing of, let's put out this material, this final material with Caleb, and then let's step away and see how mm. we feel years there's because- something in my head ringing bells way back in the back of my head that it was supposed to be their last album oh really there is something there i'm not fully sure um but i think there was they did because like i mean everyone knows i mean being in bands grief all that human shit and people forget about that. Being in a band is just, we see bands through the, 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 the myopic lens of our phones and social media and television. We forget their people. Yeah. So who can change their minds? And so, we also put them up on this, like, you're not a person. You're a, you're a guitar god. You're the best yeah. singer ever, you know, whereas they're just people and they deal with all this, this fucking horrible shit that we deal with as well. Like Exactly. So what I think is when, because Kevin... After Caleb Schofield died, they did a batch of benefit shows for his family. And and I thought that was, before we just get into the album, I think that just shows the kind of type of guys that Kevin are, that not only did they organize like benefit shows, but they, they organized these benefit gigs and then got every other project Caleb Schofield was ever in to play the benefit mm. shows as well. And then... There's like one other project Schofield had, Zozobra or something like that. Yeah. And they, because their members are kind of, they all just did a rotating lineup. And they basically gave people nearly every, an expansive cover of all the music Schofield contributed to, which I think is beautiful. But it was at those benefit shows that Nate Newton from Converge play and Doom Rider yeah. bass for a lot. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was probably the end of it and then they got the urge to want to write more material and thought Nate, Nate's learned loads of our songs from the, that show and he gelled well with us. Mm. And I definitely feel from, from the, because I, I, I'd be, my knowledge of Cave-In is singles and the big songs from each kind of record. Same. Whereas to me, like no denying Cave-In have had the heft before, but it definitely feels like bringing Nate Newton in from the Converge world and just his his chunky ass approach to playing bass and his like his back because he does he does all the low backing vocals for Jacob in Converge as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean to have him come into the fold, it's 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 put this 
fucking grit on Kevin I hadn't noticed before. Is th- uh, and I don't I don't think that's just me. <laughs> By God, it's not. Um, <laughs> at the risk of like spilling the beans way too early, I fucking love this record, man. <laughs> uh, like I love, love love this record everything about it just makes me fucking happy the sound of the guitars the riffs man the motherfucking riffs the riffs are just unbelievable uh, i love the wallop of the bass uh the drumming is massive it's like full animal from the muppets kit bashing like um i love the bellowed vocals from nate newton my god it adds such a level of like heft to this album yeah, uh, they so sound hefty. killer it's He's so right. hefty and I just have to shout out the absolute genius that is Kurt Ballou in the producer's chair. The man is, this is the perfect production job for this album. It's perfect. It's glorious. The crispness of the acoustic guitars, the clarity in the vocals, the fucking heft on the heavy bits. Like it's something absolutely magnificent. To sound, to, to run the risk of sounding pompous, there is a case to be made for and you could say this with so many albums but if you just wanted to pick one out of the blue from this year there's a strong case to be made for the artistry in producing heavy music and using heavy pendulum as an example 100 uh, percent yeah everything you're saying about the i mean like the the bombast of like the riffs and like the crushingness of the kind of sludging heft yet then you have the track that um you have the track written by the guitar rhythm guitar player Adam McGrath. Adam McGrath, yeah. And like you said, the, the, the crisp acoustic guitar on that—it's like something. It, it, it's like some piece of like Americana classic production. Whereas it, it, every single sonic port that Heavy Pendulum stops off at, Kurt Bayou is waiting with like the most crisp expansive production like at, at, at the fucking just at anyone's disposal it it's ridiculous that that, that man's and to he, because he produced their debut to hear even how far he's come as a producer absolutely it's just mental man it's that, mental you know what it, he i kurt kurt is like one of those producers who i still feel that even though everyone i know who knows him knows how brilliant he is still does not get his fucking do man do you know what's really cool about that man right so Mm. like i'm uh, i studied music technology as my my degree Um, i reached out to him when i was in second year we were doing a research project and uh, i was i wanted to mine was recording electric guitar and i reached out to carpaloo i sent him an email and i was like hey is there any chance you could like listen to it i'm a big fan blah 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 he fucking sent me back Names of microphones, mic placement, everything. He goes, if there's anything else that I can help you with, thanks a million for contacting me, all this stuff. And I was just like, this guy is the biggest boss of all time. Then I went and did my master's and he fucking replied to my survey email and everything that I was sending out. The guy is just, he's amazing. And this is, to me, he's on a level with like Ross Robinson. like with fucking Terry Date. This guy can produce. He just knows how to get to the core of a band. And obviously, I think because it converges close links with Kevin, he probably has a level of investment in this album. But like Massachusetts lads like they're all in that 
team. But it's to be able to like separate them as well. Like Kirk Blue never just goes, right, I always do my guitar settings like this. I always do my vocal setting like this. He does a unique production job for everyone he works with. And it's fucking incredible. Kurt Ballou is one of those producers, like you mentioned Ross Robinson and Terry Date, where uh, this happened a handful of times with me, that because, you know, I, I you'd be the same as me. The, the more years go on, the fucking more of a music nerd I become, not less. Oh, way more. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I, I maybe I, 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 no, I'm not maybe. I definitely didn't take as much. I definitely looked, but not, I wasn't as kind of clued into who produced what when I was younger. And I've definitely found, like, especially when albums get reissued, like one of my favorite albums from back in the day is uh, Genghis Tron, Board Up the House. And I, and that's a, that, like, that came out 2007, I think, 2008. And it got reissued there a few years ago by Relapse, and I bought it. And it wasn't until I bought it that I realized Carpaloo had produced it. I and know, like, it's mad. And that album is, that album's one of my favorite albums. And it's one of, like, and that album is so, unique sounding it's for anyone who doesn't know Genghis Tron like Genghis Tron is a guitar player or was they have a different lineup nowadays but back then it was a guitar player and two synth players and a drum machine and Kurt Ballou makes that album sound like it, it sounds like a war between like giant robots and, <laughs> and like Mongolians. So, like, like the, the boys even said, it's Genghis Tron, as in Genghis Khan and Tron Rob. So it is this brutal grind cyber clusterfuck, yet it sounds so beautiful and pristine. And but I'm not going to go on to, I could go on a whole podcast about this, but my point is like, on one hand, Kurt Ballou should have had no fucking place even approaching production, producing that album. Mm. And, the album, the production on that album sounds like Kurt Ballou is an expert at making, at producing that music. Like the, whoever he were, and then he, and then he, a couple of years back, he produced the self-titled Four Year Strong album, which yep. is like the best thing they ever did. <laughs> like that, that man, like you said, that man brings his knowledge and his, and his, but like that man's taste and his, uh, his understanding of different genres is like so much more like kind of vast than people realize. And when, and when he deals with like different bands, like you said, he, it's not like he's one of those Nazis who's like, this is how we do it. He's very, he, he's malleable. That's the word I'm looking for. Absolutely. And, and on, and the reason I've gone on a bit of a tangent here is because on Heavy Pendulum, his malleability has never been more prevalent because the album is so fun. The album's 70 minutes, like. Yeah. And there's a shit ton of different shit. So that's actually a really, that's a really nice link to what I uh, what I want to get into. Because what I think makes this album so special for me is it, it combines elements and sounds from, like, not just bands I like, but literally some of my favourite bands ever. Before you say anything else, can I just say, I think... May I may I take a stab in the dark and say I have a strong feeling you fuck with this album so much because there is most death and it's probably because they came up in the same around the same time but there's a strong failure vibe going through a lot of this. Do I know my boy? So <laughs> so <laughs> so the big I will get the failure man. Oh my god, uh, the big <laughs> sludgy stoner riffs sound like down, like yeah. they sound like down. Uh, Brodsky has a touch of Aussie about his vocals, so you get a little touch of Black Sabbath. 
the more alt rock parts sound like fucking failure who are the best band uh the record has touches that you know those odd time signature riffs that tool specialize in yeah it's got that i think like overall the sound of this album sounds like ozzy front and mastodon by way of converge and i'm just like give <laughs> that's me, so spot on give me all of that like spray it on my face just like, give yeah. me all of this i think it's most evident on the title track actually because that outro riff is pure down new orleans goodness over a baseline justin chancellor would be proud of I literally have found myself all week walking around just like, you know, heavy pain to love. Yeah, it's so <laughs> I like great. It's a song, literally. Like, yeah. like imagine, now I know he's cancelled and we're not allowed to talk about him, but fuck, whatever. Yeah, imagine but, Phil Anselmo singing yeah. over that riff. Like, oh, I fuck, yeah. yes. I can hear it. Like, you can yeah, totally you can hear, hear it, that. you know. Um, you know that weird stretching riff? on new reality the opening track there's yeah, yeah. a great video of Kurt Ballou and Brodsky making it so it's like they have a microphone inside of a vacuum hose and like Brodsky has got a pedal and he's going wah, 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 and like Kurt Ballou is stretching out the vacuum hose it's so fucking cool like that type of invention and sound creativity is just so interesting to me um I love the failure-esque spacey oddness of pendulambient and yeah. then the transition from that song into Careless Offering with just the building fucking mega drums. Oh man, it makes me wetter than a cup of tea. I just absolutely love it. That riff is so massive. Um, I think if any, if anyone, and I mean anyone, right to the top of the big hitters in the metal world, I mean all the way up to Metallica. If anyone released an album with riffs and sound and songs as good as this, people would absolutely shit themselves for it. But the fact that it's Caven, who are, are they a mid-level band? Maybe not even. Mm, well, it's Just below the, mid-level, maybe? Well, well, what I, what I like about Caven uh, is that, you know, like I said, I've never been that big into them, but I'm aware of their relevance and their, and I've, and I'm aware of Exactly the same, yeah. Because I'm big into all that that scene and a lot of the bands around who are adjacent to them like Converge. So, what I think is cool about Cavin, I would nearly say you could say the same about Architects, but Architects ended up selling their soul in the in the long run anyway. So fuck Architects, piece of shit. I hate them. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Another, another podcast, another time. But <laughs> but originally when Architects went mainstream and then we're like, oh no 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 no, we're we're, we're actually not vibing on this, and they kind of went back to the heavy shit. That's kind of what happened to Cavin. They they kind of kept getting more and more popular and they were creatively straying away from their heavy sound because they wanted to explore like the other avenues they could take. Mm-hmm. And then that ended up coinciding with them signing to RCA for Antenna. I think mm-hmm. it was a big album. And then I think very quickly after Antenna, I think they were, I think after that they went touring with like Foos and Pearl Jam and shit. That's and, right, yeah. And I think it was something like, the more time they spent playing these big stadium shows with these big rock bands, they were getting bored of playing songs off Antenna and started playing heavier tunes again. And we're just like, yeah, I think we want to write heavy tunes for the next album. But RCA, yeah. like, we don't want that. And they were like, yeah, we don't fucking want to like tour with the Foo Fighters. And we we really don't want to be the next fucking Pearl Jam butt rock band who used to have integrity. And they, they so they, they walked away from a Sony deal, like, so they obviously they are clearly lads who 
the tunes and the people who are going to listen to them, that's more important than being popular. And absolutely big fucking, they could like, they, they did, they did it. Like they walked away from a Sony deal. Like most bands would kill for that. They, yeah. and they did, they did one album, saw how it went and, and, pro- and they're probably proud of antenna, but you could really tell that they, that takes a, a level of understanding the material you want to make, who you want to market it to and the legacy you want to leave. And absolutely. The, the, yeah, so, so, that, so I totally agree with you that, you know, this album, it probably should get more respect and credence, but at the same time, it almost... They're probably happy at the level it's at. It's at the perfect balance of where they want it to be. Mm. By, by the fact you and I are speaking about this, and you have to keep in mind, if this is their this is their first album without Caleb Schofield, mm. first with Nate Newton, and for all intents and purposes, Final Transmission was more of a compilation of yeah. demos. It was so, like a collection kind of, yeah, yeah. And master, remastered and all mm. that. I mean, 20, that's like 11 years since their last true album. So this will be, think about the bands that we like, we're in 10 years ago and bands we've discovered. For a lot of young people, younger people, we're still young. We a are. lot of people, Heavy Pendulum might be the gateway into Cave-In. Well, man, could, forget this, young people, like, this is yeah, my gateway into them. Like, yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, exactly. I've always kind of been, like I hate five six did a great live set of theirs recently as well, and I watched that and I was like, "Fuck! I really gotta, really gotta go back and digest Caven's material properly." I and can't now, wait to man. Yeah, and so I mean, and and this is us talking about it. So th- to me, Heavy Pendulum is re. People have always known of Caven and the and their legacy, their tenure, if you will. But Heavy Pendulum seems like it's going to re-establish them for a whole new era. I so, hope and so. It, and even if it's whether it's it starts a new era of projects or it's just the last album, something they needed to get out, it's their lengthiest album to date. This is an impressive project that, and even by the looks of like the reviews it's getting, and you and me even vibing on it right now, this is gonna, this is going to be talked about not just at the end of the year. That this album's going, this album has lasting value, man. This I think feels, so. this feels like something that like you're talking about down. This feels like something that you and I could have been kind of hushing about in the Greyhound when we were 14. Yeah. You know, have you heard this fucking... Like, this album seems timeless, in a sense. It really does. And again, that's down to Kurt Ballou's production chops, I think. Um, and I think a couple of the songs in here would fall into, like, the epic category. You know, oh, you've, you've got Blinded by a Blaze. Um, Like, the journey it takes you on is just unbelievable. You know, they start in a really, like, ominous fashion before the whole song, like, opens up and out into... The, the long is the road that's leading to you, you know, the chorus bit. And you got that juddering riff that comes in. And then we get the failure interlude, which sounds exactly like failure. And then we cycle back through all of that again before it like fades off into nothingness and this ball of noise, you know. I think that song is a fucking masterpiece. The Mastodon influence on this whole album is pretty clear, I think. And I think it sounds fucking phenomenal. Blood Spiller is oh. such a Mastodon song. And, and Floating Skulls as well. I mean, that could be a Mastodon song title. Yeah, exactly, definitely. You know, um, it's it's like their first foray into like full-on sludge metal as far as I know. And my shitting Christ, are they good at it? Like, it's fucking yeah. like so and good. They're always tempered with kind of like the chuggy riffs and also because Caleb Schofield, a lot of his other projects were very sludge oriented. Yeah. 
seemed like they always kept caving kind of sludge adjacent. I'm using that word a lot today. But this album and the inclusion in Nate Newton <laughs> Converge, it really just, and it, feel, it feels like working with Baloo again as well. It was just kind of like, do you know what? We're grown ass adult men. Let's, we've been in this band for so let's just embrace the fuck out of the heft for once. Yeah. And it, and let's just write songs that, let, let, and that's the thing. Some of the songs sound like down. Some of the songs sound like Mastodon. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Oh, and, and then, do you know what? There's even, I think it's Blood Spiller re- reminds me of Clutch. Big time. Yeah. Big so, time. And I think it's a bit, a lot of it is Brodsky's vocals because there isn't, because you have Newton's gravelly, urgy kind of backing vocal that brings the shit down a little anyway. But Brodsky here, is, and, it, and it's probably because it goes hand in hand with the kind of sludgy, groovy, New Orleans style riffs, like you said, of Down and mm. on Clutch. But Brodsky's vocal, it doesn't play into like dark or mm, tortured or. No. Which, which, which you would have re- respected with what they've been through losing Schofield and mm. like four years later. I mean, so like they've been through a lot as as friends and as a band. But you can Brodsky just sounds like he's having the animated time of his life here. And on tracks like Blood Spiller, it is so like Clutch because it's just so like like you said, it's almost like Ozzy at times. And it's do you know what? I can't remember the last time. And this is like. This is coming from me who I love hardcore and I love two steps and I love fucking chugs. And man, this is such a fun metal record. Oh my God, it's so fun. So fun. It's so just, fun. It's fucking fear chugging, long hair, denim jacket in the 1980s metal. Like, Absolutely. And do you know, you know what you're saying about they could have like gone really dark and tortured like with yeah. the passing. But like they've kept Caleb in there. Like, you know, the riff on New Reality is <laughs> his. And I think the lyrics on Amarinthine, Amarinthine are, are, they were written by uh, Caleb as well. And then you get the 12 minute, like closing track, Wavering Angel. That's, it's without a doubt, like it's, it's a tribute to Caleb, I think. And it's fucking amazing. It opens like Alison Chains and like he's full on crooning over this like almost 70s psychedelic acoustic riff. Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me of someone and I just can't put my finger on it, but it's fucking great. And do you know when it kicks in? It sounds exactly like the Converge Blood Moon album that Brodsky was on from last year, which was my album of the year. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, like I just love that song. I love the whole album. Angel, sorry, I Wavering Angel. Like, when I first listened to the record, like, I didn't know how long it was going to be. Mm. So I kind of had it on and was just really, and you know, I think that's a great sign that when you listen to an album and you finish it, and then like a like a few hours later, you were on like YouTube and you see the length of the album. And I was like, that, that album's how long? I know. I listened to 17 minute it's album. Mad. I didn't even feel it. But when it passes when, by really quickly, man. It swims by. Yeah. For for it's and, and you can't say that about every fucking 17 minute album, like, but oh. Wavering Angel. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I first listened to the album, wait, yeah, I kind of I lost, not to sound too wanky, but I kind of lost myself in the song, you know? Same. I kind of it's, forgot where I was, what I was doing. I was just, I was enveloped, if you will, in the, in the song. I just lost myself in it. it it's, it, it's, it's triumphant, man. It's, it's fucking brilliant. Um, the amount of like great bands that come to mind when I listen to it is staggering. Like, so you've got Down, Mastodon, Failure, Converge, Tool, Metallica, Alice in Chains, Black Sabbath, Soundgarden. The list goes on and on and on. I think everything on this album is fucking phenomenal. 
the musicianship. Well, it's own identity, definitely, though. It, oh, it does. It, it, Absolutely. It's just a, a run. No, it, it, yeah, it, it almost feels like, it feels less like it sounds like all of those bands and it feels more like Cave-In are a band who should just be included in that list of bands. That's a really, really good way of putting it. Definitely. Um, the, the production is amazing. The journey this album takes you on is amazing. The innovation, the progression, the genre hopping. Uh, this honestly like contains everything I love about music. It has heft, hooks, groove, fragility, introspection, musicianship on a level above almost anything you want to mention. Like I fucking love this. Uh, it's very lucky for me that when we started putting scores on albums and stuff, you introduced half point scores because if not, I would have probably had to give this a 10 because nine feels too low to me. Um, I love this more and more with every listen. This is the highest I've rated an album this year. So obviously it's in more than contention for just a top 20 appearance. Um, and there are people who say Kevin have better records than this. Wow, I just can't wait to dive in. I, I, I'm giving this a 9.5 out of 10. That's like, I just, I fucking love this record. Well, I'm kind of, like I said, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, I said I'm kind of sick of rating albums with a numeric score. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to bother. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I, like I said, I feel like, I feel like I'm just parroting myself most of the time that they're always the same kind of fucking thing. So I'm just like, I'm just going to talk about the record and leave off the score. If I, if you put like, I don't know. I think I'm, mm, I'm going to like an 8.5 to a nine if I had to, but like it is, it, it's up there because it's just, you know, I really expected this to be, and I mean this in, a, in the nicest way, I expected this to be a lot more depressive and, emo and emotionally kind of devastating where it, you know, it, it feels way more like they're, how would I put it? What I find beautiful about this album is that there's almost, it isn't like this super negative, dour project. It's, it, it feels so kind of... Triumphant. Triumphant. It's yearning for, for like healing and for mm. and closure. And, and, the, and it, it's, it's like the sound of like going, plummeting the depths of the sludgiest fucking bayous and fucking taking astronomical journeys to space and everything in between to find just closure. And that's even in the artwork, that real yeah. cosmic looking for the, the album like it, it goes from like the most rural of settings to the most cosmic in search of healing and it and it and it feel and it's so natural and like and it's the thing like i mean it's there's so many lengthy tracks on it blaze by blaze is nearly eight minutes one wavering angels 12 minutes there's a lot of five minute cuts on here the album never feels bloated never it never feels like it's plodding along the album just it has this it has this this insane momentum to it and this like this surging energy and also one of the most vital things and i think it's something that's resonating with a lot of people is and this is something like you and me both love heavy music and i really really like nasty nasty near impenetrable shit this album is so and i mean this in the nicest way this album is so non impenetrable this album oh, is so it's so designed 
to it, it's so it seems so big and so vast and but it's so warm and welcoming it's so easy to listen to easy to listen to and it's so easy to kind of to pierce into and and fall into the the zone with it and and once you do w- once you give the album one listen you're like holy shit that was a lot easier to kind of fall into than i realized and then each subsequent listen is just like it's like fucking falling into the cosmos man it, it it this is a special record this is probably one of the best heavy records i've listened to all year definitely like you know an album is good when you're talking about it on a podcast and you're secretly looking forward to the podcast being finished so you can throw the album on again. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I woke up this morning and I threw Heavy Pendulum on while I was setting up for the recording of the podcast. And yeah. when I am going to resume listening to Heavy Pendulum, like... Yeah, man, I, I don't know when I'm going to stop listening to it. I just, I think it's so fucking brilliant. I love it. And it's... In terms of like a metal album, because I think this is a metal record. You, you, you know what? With yeah. other bits and pieces, but in yeah. general, it's a metal album. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's either an alternative rock inflected metal album, or it's the most metallic alt rock album you would fucking hear. Yeah. Like. Um, this is the best metal album I've heard in ages. Like straight up metal or whatever you want to call it. I just fucking love it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just love it. I love it so much. And come the end of the year, we're definitely going to be talking about this album again. But um, this is, um, yeah. So look, just check out Kevin. Fucking sick. I can't wait to listen to all their shit. Uh, this is, <laughs> this has been episode sixteen of For the Record. Uh, that was Kevin. That was Heavy Pendulum. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say that we do. You know, we we talk about you know. Big plans, got big, big plans coming up in this motherfucker. And we would like to eventually, still Soul Glow reference, hey. Yay. We'd like to do like fucking deep dives into albums eventually and discographies and stuff. Ideally, there will come a day when Tyranny and I have done all of our retrospective homework and we will revisit Heavy Pendulum in a cave-in episode oh. where we go through everything. And that would Could be, be glorious. And for people who are listening now, who will be listening then, uh, thank you. <laughs> That'll be something special, but I can't wait to, to do a deep dive cave in with you in the future. Oh, definitely, man. I'm so up for it. So up for it. To, I can't wait to go into the cave of cave in. And, and hopefully the cave doesn't cave in on you. When we're cave dwelling on the cave in. And and the podcast (laughs) That's been episode 16 of For The Record Thank you so much for listening My name is Tierney I always remember music is the best I'm buggy and bye